Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, God, you are close to us. God, we don't need to look far in this place for you, God. You're in the midst, God. God, you showed up, God. And God, we have this amazing time of worship to worship you, Lord. And we get to sing your praises, and we get to shout your name, and we get to raise our hands, and we get to say the name of Jesus. God, we glorify you in this place, Lord. God, because you are worthy, Lord. God, there's nothing we could have done to deserve what you gave us. But God, it's that, re it's that very reason that makes us shout your praise. It's that very reason that we raise our hands and we glorify in you, God. We thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you for what you've done, Lord. Thank you for considering us worth something, worth dying for, Lord. God, you own the universe and everything in it, God, and you still want the heart of man, Lord. And that's why we're in this place, God, because you are worth it, God. You are worth praising. You are worth shouting our voice to, God. You're worth singing, worshiping you with all our might, God, loving you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, God. That's what, that's what you're about. Let's sing that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. How great your love is for Yes, come on, let's sing that like we believe it. Let's believe that Jesus loves us like this. Come on. Yes. Hallelujah. Jesus. Guys, you are worth the Lord. How great is your love. Yes, sir. Lord, hallelujah. Jesus, God, you receive it all, God. Receive your glory. Receive your worship, God, from us. Come on, let's all lift our hands towards Jesus and let's all, let's all thank the Lord. Let's all thank the Lord for being here today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, let's shout our praise to the Lord. Yes, Lord. Jesus, we want to give you this service, oh Lord. Lord, we want today, Lord, we want every heart to be receptive to you, oh God. God, let everybody leave today knowing that they encountered you, that they felt your love. Let every person go home with that mentality, Lord. God, we give you this service, God. I pray that you're in the word, God, that you would speak through the, through the preacher, Lord, that you're in the midst of everything, Lord, so that we know that you're here, God. We know that we can be confident that you are here, God. We love you, Lord. We thank you, God. And in Jesus' name we pray. Come on, everybody said.
Come on, give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. You guys can find your way back to your seat. My name is Rudy Salt. I'm a deacon here at Metro Praise International. Uh, good to see you guys. Uh, we're here at, it's 1.36, it's in the afternoon. So we're glad you guys are here. We're glad you guys came out to experience who Jesus is. Right now, what I want to do, I want to I want to share with you guys the good news of Jesus. And what I want to, what I want to talk about is God's great love. And what pushed, what pushed God to want to take our place on a cross? You see, it's, it's something so beautiful. And it's an honor for me to share this beautiful message. It's an honor that God would allow me to share with you guys what he came to do for us. We're going to look in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 8. And it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us. His own, right? He demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I want to let everybody know, and, maybe, and I hope you catch it, how much God loves us. See, he demonstrated his own love for us. See, God has his own love for us. And I don't know if you came and you don't know who God is or you don't know who Jesus is. Maybe you went to church when you were younger, but I got something amazing to tell you. Jesus loves you. I mean, Jesus loves you so much that he's seen the sinner. He's seen the sin inside of all of us. And he demonstrated it by dying for us. Now you might be asking, well, why did he have to die? Because Jesus had to exchange his life, an innocent, perfect life. He never sinned. In order that we may get that, that sinless, sinless life upon us. You see, Jesus had nails in his hands and feet and a crown of thorns. And he, he leaked blood from all these places. And he knew that his blood would cover all of our sin. Now everybody here, I don't care where you come from, don't, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from. We've all sinned against God. We've all broken God's command. We've all lied before, or cheated before, or stolen, or disobeyed our parents, or hated somebody. We've all came against God in our sin. I'm not calling you guys bad people. I'm just saying we have sinned. Earlier in this, in this letter that Paul wrote, it says, for all have sinned. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And as you're listening to me, you're having an opportunity to say, well, am I a sinner? The answer is yes. But hallelujah that Jesus came and, and he demonstrated his love for us that he would say, you know what? I have you in mind. And he didn't want to see us walk on our way to hell. You see, Jesus would rather die on the cross than to ever live without you. See, it's not religion. It's so personal. Jesus had you in mind when he was hung, hanging on that cross. He knew that, that some people here would say yes to him. And he found that worthy of dying. Whatever your name is, he had your name in his mind as he was hung on that cross. And he said, this is for you. I love you so much. This is for you. I had this great revelation five years ago. Before five years ago, I didn't believe in God. But God is real. And I, I'm sorry if you didn't encounter God in the worship time, but his presence is here. And you could feel it. You see, God is like the wind. You don't really see it, but you can feel it. And you know it's real because you feel it. You're not going to say there's no wind. 
But if you're sitting here today and you don't know if your sins are forgiven, now is your opportunity. Now is your day to say, well, if I have sin, Lord, and you died for that sin, I want to give you that sin. I want to give you the, the, the sin that I did and broke in your commandments with. We all have an opportunity. There's hope in this room, amen, to say, Jesus, I want to trust in you. And the moment we say, Jesus, I trust in you, he's willing to forgive you of your sin. And that's a beautiful thing because he didn't have to. It says he de God demonstrated his own love for us. He loved every single one of you on a personal level. That he didn't want, he didn't want you to go to hell. I want to pray for us today as a, as a group, as a church, so that we would all receive this. Because if you're sitting here and you don't know Jesus, I would urge you, get right with the Lord. He made it possible. He gave you a hand to save you. He didn't have to, but he loved you that much. He's like, I don't want to see you go to hell. I want to save you from hell. So let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. God, you are an amazing God. Lord, you, you loved us while we were still sinners, Lord. God, you even died on the cross knowing that some people wouldn't even accept you. But for the few that did accept you, you said it was worth it, God. God, you took our place on the cross when we didn't deserve it. While we were still sinners, you didn't even, you didn't even see us repent yet. And you said, I want to die so they can't repent. Jesus, I pray for every heart here today, God, that they would understand what you came to do for us. We would all have a revelation of your great love. That it wasn't, it wasn't this religious thing, God. But you knew that if we fell in love with you, God, we would go the extra mile the same way you went the extra mile because you were in love with us, God. You see, we love you, God, because you first loved us, even while we were still sinners. And God, I pray that every person in this room would receive today, God. If they don't know you yet, God, that I pray that today they would get to know you in a mighty way. Because, God, you're worth it. You died on the cross. You, God, you resurrected, Lord. And it's because you resurrected that we get to resurrect when our, when our bodies die off and we get to be with you forever in heaven, God. So I pray your Holy Spirit would begin to minister to all the hearts here. And show them, show them, oh, Lord, how great you are and what you did for us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Y'all can stand to your feet, please, with me. Because I'm standing. If you, if you are that person and you want to say yes to Jesus today and you want to, to commit to the Lord and you want your sins forgiven, we have these awesome prayer workers here. We have Umberto and his wife, Kirsten. They're deacons in our church and our youth ministry. And they want to pray with you. They want to get you plugged in and, and get you on the right track to, to follow Jesus all the days of your life. They want to give you the opportunity. Amen. So when the beat drops after we say this confession of faith, there's going to be a greeting time. Come to them if you want to receive that. Amen. All right. So now at this time, we, go on, we are going to cite our confession of faith. And what this is, this is our Christian worldview. This is how we see the world and how God, uh, how we see God in our world and why we believe what we believe. You guys are ready to say this? All right. Let's say it all together on a count of three, okay? One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life.
I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Come on. Give it up for Jesus. You all can greet your neighbor. Come up if you need prayer.
Good afternoon, Metro Praise International. Welcome, welcome. Okay, for those who don't know me, my name is Carmen Ramos, and I am a uh, deacon here at Metro Praise, and I am also a part thank you, of an amazing group of leaders, and they're the Elevate leaders, and we lead the, group, uh, the youth groups on Friday from uh, ages 11 to 18. So as you have seen, it's a little bit different today, um, different people up on stage and everything, because Elevate is taking over. Ooh, it's an invasion of teenagers. So um, we have been given the privilege of uh, first service and second service to kind of take over a little bit, and our leaders are uh, going to be all through the crowd and everything. And so thank you for coming today. And um, I would just like to invite any teenagers who have, who have brought their parents or guardian here today to the service, if you guys can come up to the stage area, I would love to present you with something. Any teens? Teens and parents. Come on, guys. Both of you. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to come up alone, Aaliyah. It's okay. You guys can clap for them. It's okay. So... We just, um, we would just like to give you a little bit, a little token of our appreciation for coming through. We know that being a parent is a hard, a hard job, and we appreciate all that you do, and we appreciate you releasing your teens under our supervision so that we can love them and pour into them and just have fun with them and just do what God has given us gifts to do in their lives. So thank you for entrusting us with your youth, and thank you for coming today. So this is for you. This is for you. Before you guys sit down, hold on. Before you sit down, we do want to pray for you. So if I can have just a couple of our Elevate leaders come on up so we can pray for this, uh, these parents here. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord God, and I thank you, Lord, for these families that are represented here. I thank you, Lord, for bringing them here today, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, for them entrusting us with their children, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that you would just bless these families, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that your love would abound in their lives, Lord God, in their homes, Heavenly Father. I pray, Lord God, for um, children who love you and worship you, Lord God, and, and walk in obedience and submission, Lord God, to their parents and guardians, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that they would be lights in their homes, in their schools, Lord God. I pray for protection. I pray for boldness in Jesus' name for these young ones, Lord God, to rise up and serve you, Lord God, to bring you, Lord, in their schools, Lord God, in their homes, Lord God, in their families, Heavenly Father. I pray you would have your way in their in their homes, Lord God, in their relationships with their parents, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that they would be relationships, Heavenly Father, that honor you and glorify your name, Heavenly Father. I pray for growth in their lives, Lord God, in their spiritual walk with you, Lord Jesus, and that you would pour all you have into them, Lord God, and they would be open and willing to receive it. Thank you for bringing them here this afternoon, and thank you for the opportunity to love on them. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I just want to do a, I just want to take a quick poll real quick. Did any of our youth bring anybody else with them today? Any of our youth that are here today? Okay, those of you who are here, thanks for coming. What's up, what's up? Elevate! Elevate! What, what? What, what? Amen, amen. What's up, guys? Welcome to East Sunday. We're here at Metro Praise International. And if you guys need any headphones for translations, bilingual, we're going to hook you up in the back. Let us know. Anybody in the Elevate shirt, we'll grab some for you. 
But I want to tell you about our two services. This is second service. We have services every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And then we got Fridays Elevate at 7 p.m. You know we in the building today. And then, like I said before, today is our East Sunday. Oh, that's messed up. It's okay. It's okay. We love you guys anyway. I love all you guys. All right, so we're here East Sunday. This is the 1 p.m. service. And I just want to let y'all know we saved the best for last. So we're going to come harder than we did first service because we love y'all. And we got See You at the Pole coming up on Wednesday, September 28th. Now, for those of you who ever uh, came in contact with See You at the Pole and know what it is, it's a day where before school you go out to the, to the flagpole of the school and you pray over your school and you claim it in the name of Jesus. So that's something uh, you can go to your alma mater, wherever you graduated from. Go get you some Jesus and claim that school in the name of Jesus. No matter how old you are, how young you are, this city needs Jesus. And it's going to take us to stand up and claim our schools for Jesus. Amen. All right. We got our vision, our strategy, and our goal. Our vision is to love God and love people. Our strategy is connect you through the life groups, mentor you in our 101 and 201, and send you out through our evangelism. For an ultimate goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. Amen, amen. Now the way we're going to connect you to the cross is we're going to, uh, we got these life groups here, which is we got one on Sunday, which is the single moms today. Amen, I didn't know if I was going to get any noise for that. I was excited. Tuesday, we got encounter prayer night. Okay, okay. Wednesday, we got King's Kids. Thursday, Gang Outreach. And then Friday, we got two amazing Bible studies that are blowing it up, the Gobeas and the Vivid's Bible Studies. Amen, amen. So get out to one of those and get connected. And then what we're going to do is we're going to have you mentored in the 101 and the 201. So the 101 is a discipleship-based class where you have uh, your one-on-one with a mentor, your one-on-one with the leader in the church, and they want to get into your lives and help you live like Jesus. Take those steps and welcome to your new life. And in 201, once you graduate the 101, it's disciples that make disciples. So you're learning to be a servant of God, somebody that serves in the church, someone that learns with other disciples in a classroom-based setting to blow it up and win this world for Jesus. And then we're going to send you out through our evangelism, which is on Saturdays, 5 to 8 p.m., they're going out. We got Rudy leading that up, blowing it up. Make some noise for evangelism. Amen, amen. And this is ultimately for our ultimate goal of 100,000 disciples with 50 churches and 500 around the world with that strategy of connecting, mentor, and sending with that vision in mind of loving God and loving people. Let me get an amen for that. Amen, amen. Now what we're going to talk about is our tithes and offerings. So if you want to turn to your disciples giving book, we're going to be in Lesson 11 of Stewardship. And the title is Stewards Are Shrewd. <laughs> All right. So our definition is going to be stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. And our scripture for today is going to come out of Luke 16 verse 8 which says the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than they are the people than are the people of the light. Now the main points we get out of that is one he acted shrewdly. The definition of shrewd 
means to be practically wise and prudent. Jesus used his parables to teach his disciples lessons on being shrewd because he expected us to be the best at all we do in both ministry and business. All right. And then the second point we get out of that is people of this world are more shrewd. Jesus rightly pointed out that oftentimes we see people in the business world with more savvy and a better work ethic than the people in the kingdom. Everybody say, no, no, no. However, Jesus didn't say, don't strive to be wise and successful, but rather just pray and have faith. No, Jesus used the example of the world's shrewdness and basically said, be wiser and more successful than non-Christians. And number three, be people of the light. Jesus taught that the people of the light or his disciples should be the best at what they do. Why? Because they have the power of the Holy Spirit to receive wisdom and work hard. Therefore, who should be the wisest doctors? Christian doctors. Who should be the shrewdest business leaders? Who should be the best employees? Christian employees. Oh, you got it. It's all a wrap now. Light is always greater than the darkness. And our summary is be shrewd in all that you do, especially in the workplace. And I'm going to give you a few points on how to apply that. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, which is 10% of your total income, and offerings anything you give after your tithe. Number two, ask God to give you wisdom to be shrewd in your career. And number three, don't make excuses for failure. Make plans to succeed. Can I get an amen? All right. Can you guys all stand to your feet as we uh, recite this confession on the count of three? One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards, living a debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. All right. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you four ways we can give at MPI. Number one is Number, oh, and we have, I'm sorry, we have uh, the tithes, which is 10% of your total income, and then we have missions and building offerings, so anything you give after the tithe, and there's four ways we give here at MPI. One is in the bucket during the offerings that are right here, and then in the wall-mounted drop boxes in the back. Number three, in the back with a credit or debit card, you can see Pastor Griselda or Pastor Nancy for that. And four, online with Chase QuickPay or PayPal and BillPay at www.mpichurch.org forward slash giving. And then we got this scripture verse on the count of three. We'll all repeat it. Philippians, oh, I'm sorry. One, two, three. Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we come in your mighty name and we thank you for this time, Lord. We thank you for all the opportunities and blessings you're giving us in our lives, God. And I pray that as we go out into our workplaces outside of these four walls of the church, God, that we will be the best stewards of your of your of the time that you've given us, of the money that you've given us, God. That you would use it, you would give it to us so it can go through us, God. So we can bless people, we can bless ministries, we can bless people at our jobs with lunch and show them the love of Christ, God. I pray that everybody in here will be the best Christian, whatever they do in their lives, that they would have a spirit of excellence upon them. And it's in your mighty name that we pray. And everybody say. Amen. Thank you for your support. Man, I ain't on Twitter like I wish I was. So let me give you updates for the things I does and the things I did. Man, I've been making some moves. Your boy just got married in June. Dog, I've been all on my grind, perfecting these rhymes to make something classic for you. You know how we do. Do it for you and the crew. Keep it 1,000, you already know. 
travel from city to state while the city be sleep we be staying awake wait man ain't no time to be fake killing these beats all black suits at the wake wait man i thank god every day i pray too hard just to lead us to fate and i thank you all for the way Know that it's worth it, we always be working Do this for God and we do this for y'all He gave me my gift so why not use them all Yeah, 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 we going hard Never alone, so make room for the squad And we sober, but no, we still raising the bar So move over, it's over, it's over Alright, we're about to blow it up We want everybody to get up, stand to your feet Come up to the altar. We're about to get turned up. Come on, come on. Make your way up there. Make your way up there. Make your way. Uh, 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 uh. Let's do this, guys. Okay, ready. I got my breastplate. I got my helmet. 
All right, elevate, elevate, what, 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 yes, that's what I'm talking about, man, God is good, and all the time, right now, I want to share with you guys, my name is Steve Ramos, I'm the youth pastor of Elevate, and as you can see, we have obviously took over Sunday service, man, this is East Sunday, and where my elevator's at, all right? That's what I'm talking about, man. So we just got all the, uh, you know, the Sunday service individuals hostage, but it's, it's going to be okay next week. They will be back hot and ready. I want to now introduce you guys to this video that's about to come up. This is some, uh, just a snippet of what Elevate did in the 2016. Enjoy. Everybody's got a blank page, a story they're writing today, a wall that they're climbing. You can carry the past on your shoulders You can start over regrets No matter what you've gone through, Jesus He gave it all to save you He carried the cross on his shoulders So you can start over Don't let your heart be troubled Don't be afraid To the broken hearted that which is bad. Never been born, never been torn, never sinned, never disobeyed. I know you think there's no hope, no, but that ain't true. Jesus saves. I know you feel a regret, like I brought this all on myself, like I messed it up big time, and this time I don't deserve God's help. Thinking, how can God forgive me? After knowing what I hid, can he? After knowing that I hid from him and I stayed away and backslid. Listen, Jesus came for the sick. So true. Jesus came for the weak. Amen. Jesus came to give good news and to set the captives free. Amen. Listen, Jesus came for the poor. Amen. Jesus came with the keys. Amen. Jesus came to remove the chains so from the prisoners. Everybody's got a
love is deeper than the ocean floor. Run to his arms like an open door. God the Father sent the sons, so men can come and be free and gotta run no That's more. Come doing. to me, all who are weary. With heavy burdens, I'll give you rest. Separating you from your sin, as far as the east is from the he west. Said. Thrown in a sea of forgetfulness. What sin? What offense? And when them waves come crashing in, I'll calm the winds in your defense. So whatever it is that you've done, he put that punishment on his son. His You'll son. never come under his condemnation, conquer sin and Satan and his accusations. So dry your eyes, lift up your head. Hallelujah! God is not Amen. dead. Plus he gave us his peace. His peace. And he took our guilt on the cross instead. Took our place and now we embrace a clean slate with the eyes of faith. We know. We know. Unfailing love. Unfailing love. Everybody's it's not too take this time right now if you guys can just give it up for Jesus and all the uh, the elevate leaders who take their time they sacrifice and they do whatever it takes to get to get youth to Jesus Christ and that's a special thing in our society today you know a lot of people they write off youth as though man they're the worthless they're gone there is no hope for young people but I come to tell you that is a lie from Satan they are loved by God. God died on the cross for youth. No matter if they're game banging, no matter if they're lost, no matter if they're homosexual, it don't make a difference. It's our job to shine bright for Jesus and let them know that Jesus loves them. He will meet them where they're at, but he won't just leave them there. He'll bring them up and mold them together to get them where they're supposed to be at in Jesus. Amen. Let's give it up for the Lord. Praise God, man. So right now I have the privilege of, uh, of bringing you guys the gospel. Let me just uh, let me get myself here situated. How's everybody doing? Good. Elevate. Where you at? Yes. I know you guys been hearing that. You're probably like, what is happening? I just walked into an occult, and they're going to start shooting everybody, right? That is not the case here, okay? That is not the case. But basically, when we say elevate, the youth say what, what? It's just our battle cry. It's just to let you know we are ready, locked, and, no and loaded to cast out demons, heal the sick, feed the poor, do whatever it takes. That is our battle cry. We're Jesus freaks, and we love the Lord. Amen? And that is what we're representing. Today, we're going to be talking about a, a phrase or a part of a scripture that talks about under God's mighty hand. Somebody say, under God's mighty hand. You know, a lot of times we think about, you know, where am I and, and, and what's going on with my life and things like that. A lot of the answers that you guys are looking for, that we end up looking for, can all be answered with a simple question to yourself of examination. Am I under God's mighty hand? Where am I at right now in life? Am I just leaning on my own understanding? Am I just leaning on my own aspirations, my own dreams, my own goals in my own personal life? Or have I been consulting the Lord? And doing what God would have me to do in my dreams, in my visions, whatever his will is for my life. That makes all the more the difference right there. 
Because a lot of us, a lot of times, we can just jump off dreams like, dude, I want to be an astronaut. And it's like, what? Like, what is God saying? You know what I mean? So it's like, real quick, we'll jump into things. Man, I need a profession. Man, I need a girlfriend. Man, I need a boyfriend. Man, I want kids. And like, dude, you're 17. Like, what are you talking about? You know? Like a girlfriend, boyfriend, a, a husband, a wife, whatever. Slow down. What does God want for your life? It could be a profession. It could be education. It could be, as we talked about, marriage or relationship. It can be all these other things that we think that God doesn't want his hand over us in, in regards to those things. When in fact, it's the, this is the total opposite. God said, address him in all these things. Come to me, acknowledge me in all your ways, and I will direct your path. But what happens, though, when we stop doing that? What happens when we take doors that are opening and say, that's God? What happens when things become like they get moved to certain things, and all of a, all of a sudden we say, well, that's God, that's God. But yet never consult God. Yet never pray, God, is this you opening up this door? Is this you orchestrating? Do you want me to go through this door? Do you want me to get this job? And a lot of us don't do that. We just assume God is just moving and, and working the same as he did any other time. He's just doing his thing, and we never consult God. And we end up in a place backslidden, busted, disgusted, and we look back like, God, where are you at? How can you do this to me? And he's like, well, you left me a long time ago. I'm on North Avenue, and you're over here on Damon somewhere, and you know what I mean, and over here in some Wicker Park or something, you know what I mean? And God is like, I'm over here. You never consulted me. You just jumped, and you wonder why there's no time with me anymore because you chose to take things and go directions and ways that I never said. You never consulted me, and now you don't have time for me. Now you, know, you don't know what my agenda is because you're so much on your own agenda. We're going to be going or uh, opening up the word. If you can go to the next slide, to 1 Peter chapter 5. And we're going to be reading 5 through 11. And this is what the word of God says. I'm going to read it all through all, uh, what is that, six verses, just so we can get a broad idea and an imagination of what's going on here in the book of 1 Peter. And the word, well, let me pray first. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for this time, God. Lord, we thank you, Father God, for this service, God, this opportunity, Lord God. And, Lord, we thank you for your word, God. Father, we pray right now, God, that you would allow me to be your oracle, Lord God, to preach your word, Father God, the way you would have me to preach it. That, Lord God, you would guide, lead, and direct me, Father God. I lay myself down at your feet, God. And I pray that I would decrease in order for you to increase. I ask that you would touch every heart here, God, whatever they're going through wherever they find themselves at, whatever season they're in, God, and that you would begin to lead the way, God. Open up, Lord God Almighty, your will to us, God, and reveal it to us as we humble ourselves under your mighty hand, God. Have your way, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen and amen. Praise God. Man, we can get up for, give it up for Jesus, okay. Right? It's like it's second, it's second service, it's 2 o'clock, and it's like we just woke up. Like some of us. But it's okay. We're, we're not that kind of church that we got to stay nice and kind of like reserved. You know what I mean? Or, or bougie for some of us. Okay. You know, I love bougie people too. You know what I mean? They're, you know, hey, it's what it is, you know. But uh, we can get excited, man, because God is good. And he, this, he's been doing some things in our lives. Amen. So this is what the word of God says. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. Everybody, let's say that. Under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, 
Cast all your anxiety or fears on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind or self-controlled. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while with him, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. And everybody says, amen. Yes, man. This is an awesome word, man, and it's a lot going on inside here. There's a lot of action words happening in these clusters of verses that we definitely want to get into. If you can go to the next slide. Before we can get to this point, I want to, I want to basically break down what was happening before we actually made it here. What was Peter talking about before he ended up talking about what we just read in these verses, these six verses? And here it is. I just, I just broke it down. I'm not a, a commentary by any means. I didn't get this from no commentary. I prayed and the Lord gave me this. And this is what he says. This is like Peter's roadmap of 1 Peter. Number one, God choosing us. Who chose us? God. You could find that in chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Right off the bat, God, God through Peter speaks to him and says, I have chosen you. God has chosen us. Number two. Praising God for giving us new life. It's in chapter 1, 3 through 12. And basically what, what Peter's saying is that, listen, God not only chose us, but he also appointed us to give us new life. So that we're not staying in the same old life. Not that, well, we get saved and all of a sudden, okay, I said a prayer, now I have wings, I'm flying everywhere. No, that's some magical stuff, man, that belongs in the Lord of the Rings. This is not that. And that is not this. Alrighty, when God saved us, he called us out, called us by name. He went on ahead now and wants to give us a new life. But many of us come to God and God, we hear God, we say this prayer, and all of a sudden we leave God the same way we came in. We just got now some goosebumps or something. We cried a little bit at the altar. We might have shed some boogers and stuff like that. And then we thought, man, I, you know, I'm good. And I can just go back out and just do whatever I've been doing. No. According to the Bible, it says that God has called us to a new life. He gave us a new life. Your life ought to be a replication of the new life that he has given us. And you find that in chapter 1, 3 through 12. The third one is a call to holiness. A call to holiness. That's similar to, to uh, the, the second one that we were talking about. Is that God did not save us to leave us busted and disgusted. But he saved us to change our life and so that we can walk in his holiness. His holiness. Number four, our identity and how we conduct ourselves in Christ. You find that in chapter two, uh, four, and that goes all the way to chapter five, verse four. Under there, as you see on the board, you have uh, four different subtitles or, sub, or subjects that go beneath uh, number four. And those are submission to authority, marriage and family, suffering for doing good while living for God. And letter D, leading examples to one another. And this is the roadmap that, that, uh, that Peter broke down for us believers. This is what he was talking about. This is what it looks like according to God's divine order. 
If you look at these things before we get into number five, you will see that God pretty much talked about every single thing that matters in this world. From your identity as the, the, the one you look in the mirror, you, who you are, how you ought to conduct yourselves. From there, he talks about how we ought to conduct ourselves with other people. From there, he talks about submission to authority. He then brushes on marriage and family and how we ought to be living in our marriages and in our family lives. How does that look like? Paul, Peter talks about those things. Then he goes on and talks about the suffering for doing good while living for God. These are things for, for some of us here or some of you that have been veterans in Christ Jesus. If you look back in your life, you can see, man, I went through every single one of those phases. Everything that Peter was talking about, I'm there. I went through that. He chose me out. He gave me a new, a new life. He made me holy by his stripes. He went on ahead and gave me identity and purpose in my life. And then from there, he taught me how to be submissive to authority. He taught me how to handle myself and conduct myself in marriage with my wife or with your husband and children and family. Then from there, he teaches us what it is to suffer for doing good while living for God. See, that's a big one. And a lot of us, we're, we don't even want to make it there. Like suffering for doing good, that is the opposite of what my understanding as a human being should be. So we run from that, you know. But Paul's not, uh, Peter's not afraid to address those things. This is the roadmap for living. And then the last one goes on to being examples to one another. Bible talks about when you are strengthened, go back and strengthen your brother. That's what he's talking about. Now giving back to the community. Now giving back and serving. Not just taking from the, from the church, taking and taking and taking and taking, but actually giving back now. Giving back to the community. Willing to disciple somebody else because somebody discipled you. And then that leads us to number five. And all these things, as you guys look back, these things basically talk about everything that's going on even in our society today. Even in our society today. If we mash these things up, we can find out where is the missing gap. Where did we fall off from in our society? Where did we fall off from as a nation uh, like the United States of America who was built and founded on God principles and morality? Where, where was the missing link from? And if we go back and start examining and picking up the data, you can see. The moment America kicked God out of the schools, the moment America kicked God out of families, the moment America kicked God out of the judicial system and all these other places, things begin to get crazy. Crazy. Even down to today, if we come all the way down to today, what is happening with authority? Authority is being broken down. Nobody cares about authority. People now have the audacity to wear t-shirts that says, F the police. F the police. There was a time, rather than saying that, you're like, man, can you come to my school and, like, just pretend you're my dad because we honor you. I'm going to pretend, you know, you're my dad and you're an officer and you're doing big things. We would respect. We would want to be around the police. We would want them to come to our schools and, and stand up. It was, it was a thing of honor to be an authority. We can trust that. But now the devil has come in and he's breaking down the systems and the divine order that God has created since the beginning of time. And we see that happening in our society. And number five, this is chapter five, five through 11, in which we just read. It gives us a blueprint how to do all the above and either succeed or fail by the choice or the choices we make from a position of humility, which, lead, you know, which is under God's hand, mighty hand, or pride, which is away from God's hand. And that's what I want to talk about today. If you can go to the next slide. 1 Peter chapter 5, 5 through 7 says this, 
In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Now, right there, you might be like, man, look, that is the answer right there. I knew it was these youth. They're disrespecting the elders. They need to be eradicated. They need to be written off as nothing. We need to give up on them, leave them to the streets, put them in the building, let them shoot each other, and that's it. Problem solved. No, that's not the case. According to the Bible, it keeps going. It says, all of you, all of us, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud, but shows favor or grace to the humble. Right here, it's like Peter took a pause. First five chapters, he comes to this very verse. Verse, what is it, six? What's say, uh, I'm sorry, five B or something, five C. God opposes the proud, but gives grace or favor to the humble. And right there, it's like he, he takes a pause and he gives us the answer to everything. Like giving you like the, the end all the way in the beginning. And he says, listen, the problem is the main thing with God is that he opposes the pride but gives grace to the humble. See, then after that, he begins to break these things down to give us an understanding of how it looks like to be proudful and how it looks like to be humble. How does it look like to be opposed by God and put enmity between us and God and how it looks like to be humbled and under God's mighty hand? Because both of them lead to different things. One is destruction and one is everlasting life, even now on earth. It's like bringing heaven down to earth and living, on, living in heaven while you're living on earth. That's a life that is revolved around humility under God's mighty hand. And verse 6, it says this, humble yourselves, therefore, meaning therefore, since God opposes the proud, but shows, shows favor to the humble, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. You see, now we may be wondering, well, how does that look like to be under God's mighty hand, Steve? What are you talking about? How does that look like? And I was thinking about this stuff at home when God was giving me this message, and it's obviously not like this. It's not like, you know, you're here, God's hand's here, and then you're like this, right? It's not even logically correct. It doesn't even look right. If anything, it looks like God's about to smack somebody, like backhand you, like bow, you know what I mean? So the thing is, his hand then must be like this. But the thing is, God doesn't force his hand to come over us. See, we have to humble ourselves and get ourselves under the mighty hand of God. It's not just any hand. It's not just a weak hand. It's not a hand that is not sufficient. It's not a hand that has no power. It's not a hand that will leave you high and dry. No, it's a hand that is mighty, mighty to save, not afraid to meet you where you're at, not afraid to go to the gang corners and pull people out. If we would just humble ourselves, God's hand is able to come over us. And see, the thing is, what happens is that we don't want to operate under God's mighty hand. Because pride enters into our hearts, and we want to start doing things our own way. How does that look like? Because I know everybody in here is Christian and stuff. We don't have any heathens in here, right? No Gentiles, right? Probably just me or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? Right? But everybody in here Christian like, no, man, I'm always humble, Steve. I'm humble all the time. You're lying. You are lying. All right? So the thing is, what happens is, under God's mighty hand takes humility, Anything opposite of humility would be pride because the opposite of humility is pride. And see, it comes in real subtle ways. It comes real slick because the devil knows as long as we are under his hand, 
he cannot harm us. As long as we are under the umbrella of God, God will continue to rain blessings. He will continue to bless you in season and out of season. He will continue to give you joy, peace, love, kindness, goodness, self-control, and all these goodies and all these little brownies, if you will, in our life. So the devil has to then come at us and say, well, how can I get them from under God's mighty hand? Because it's like he has a fortress around them. I can't get them. Every time he moves them here, it's like there's victory. He moves them there, there's victory. I cannot get these people. How can I do it? And this is how he does it. Next verse. Or the last part of under God's mighty hand, it says that he may lift you up in due time. Time. Everybody in this room, everybody in this world deals with time. You can go to the moon. You're still dealing with some time. Everybody struggles with time. We either don't have enough or we have too much. Either or, time is a big issue. And see, Satan knows that time is an issue for all of us. So what he does is he starts affecting us in the area of time. For some of us, it's instant gratification. We live in a microwave world where our age doesn't stop. It's like, look, I'm going to take a break from going to the next age this year, and we'll just skip that for next year so I can stay 21 for two years, and we'll just leave that 22 stuff for two years from now. No, we ain't doing that. We still get older and older and older, and time doesn't stop. It doesn't. It just keeps going. So you know what happens now? The devil will come and be like, Adam, you're a good-looking guy, man. But you're getting older. What are you going to do, man? You need yourself some kids, man. You, how old are you, Adam? 23. 23. Like, dude, you pushing that big 2-4. You know, you, you're running out of time, Adam. And then all of a sudden, Adam starts looking in the mirror. He's like, dude, I'm getting taller, man. I am getting older. You know, he starts looking at his hairline. That day he didn't comb his hair. The devil deceives him. He's like, my goodness. He is right. And you don't even recognize that he is actually the devil. And you know what happens? The devil plants that seed in Adam's, in Adam's heart of time and relationship. And you know what else he does? All of a sudden, because he knows Adam more than Adam knows himself, he sees that girl walking. Oh, man. Right? All of a sudden, that same thought comes. Time, lust, perversion, all that comes there. And he's like, my goodness, I don't found me that one. I found her. I'm having babies, everything, man. Like, he's already thinking about his future. She comes up and just gives him one of those little things, you know, just like, hey, Adam. Just a little thing. Just, oh, or just hugs him just the right way. You guys know what I'm talking about. Hugs him just the right way that he thought, she loves me. Like, it's going down. Like, this is the one. It's like, man, how's your future going? She's talking about his future. The devil works like this, I'm telling you. Starts talking about his future. And all of a sudden, he starts quoting scriptures because the devil's telling him half-truths. Well, you know, God said he's going to give you a hope in the future. Right there. Right? All of a sudden, he's dating. Next you know, she is not a Jesus freak. What is light having common with darkness? Next you know, we don't see Adam next Sunday. We don't see Adam on Elevate. We don't see Adam, matter of fact, for two weeks. We go to his Facebook, and Adam has been at the Sybaris with this young lady. And now he's backslidden. And all the while, he was first tempted with time. Now, this is not true about Adam. I just want to say that for the record. I love this brother. 
He's a good brother. We're praying that he finds his wife and does have all those kids and then brings us to Elevate so we can rebuke him and raise him up, right? But listen, though, for real, this is, I know, this is true, though. Everybody in here deals with time. The lack of it or it just going so fast. And through time, the enemy begins to reel, like reel us out from under the hand of God. That all of a sudden our finances get tight and we're like, man, I need another job. I need another job. I need another job. Boom, a door opens and you're like, oh my goodness, light comes through the door. And you're like, this must be God. Bam, and you fly through that sucker like the matrix. And then all of a sudden, a week goes by. Two weeks go by. You get that paycheck looking real good. Man, I'm going to go on ahead and just keep this going. All of a sudden, a month goes by, and you don't even realize you haven't prayed that whole month because you've been working all day long. And then all of a sudden, you're like, man, God, I want more of you. I want more. God, where are you at? I feel alone. I, I feel like something is missing. And, yes, something is missing because just because you've seen a door open and a little bit of twinkle come out of there, you ran through it and you said, that is God. No, it wasn't. See, just because an door opens and it's a job opportunity doesn't automatically mean that it's God. Because if you haven't prayed or received the confirmation for that particular job and that door that just opened, how do you know if it's from God or not? You're drawing off your own understanding then. And then we want to complain afterwards and blame God that we don't have a relationship with God anymore. What? Who does this stuff? No, I do this stuff. I'm, I'm guilty of it. So time becomes one of the first things that the enemy attacks us in. And it could be vacations, it could be school, it could be anything. We start throwing ourselves at the best looking idea we can come up with and then we call it God because it seemed like it was out of this world. No, it wasn't. It was just your brain thinking really big. That's it. But you fail to realize that God's ways are not our ways and God's thoughts are not our thoughts. If you didn't ask God, hey God, is this from you? then how do you know it's from God? And this is how the devil tricks us. This is how he gets us little by little under the mighty hand of God. And then the second one comes in verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Anxiety is fear. And we all know about fear, right? False evidence appearing as real. False evidence appearing as real. Some of us in here, we deal with insecurities. Some of us in here, we deal with anxiety. Some of us in here deal with depression. And a lot of times it comes from the foundation of false evidence appearing as real. And then we start lashing out at people. We start making rational decisions because we're afraid. Some of us end up in debt because we were afraid we couldn't, God was not going to provide for the bills. So we went on and took out a loan from a loan shark. And all of a sudden, our, our, our APR is so high, we can't even pay this due back. And now you're running from your life. And now you're even more scared. And it may be like an extreme. But put yourself in the situation that you're in now. What are you afraid of now? What is the devil tempting you with fear with today? It could be your marriage. It could be the, the fear. I know for a long time I had fear that I was going to lose my children to the streets because I was doing ministry. You know, I'm, I'm hanging with the wife. I'm working. I'm in full-time Bible college. And I started to think that the, the fear was planted in my head. I'm going to lose my children to the streets because I'm never there as though I was all-knowing and all-seeing and everywhere at the same time. Now, I do know somebody like that that is all everywhere, all-knowing. Right? And all-powerful, and that's God Almighty. 
And I remember it was a brother in this church named Ishmael. He came up to me. He said a prayer. He didn't even realize what he was praying for, but it was right on the money. And he says, brother, man, God is going to take care of your family. You keep seeking first the kingdom of heaven and all his righteousness, and he's going to take care of all that. And then today, as you guys see my children here, they love Jesus. They're with us in the ministry. This brother can't wait to preach. I'm telling this children, stand up. Look at this young man right here. Man of God. This brother now wants to do worship, right, on, um, on Elevate. You were singing on Friday? Yeah. You want to give him a little something? Uh, no. You're not ready? No. I put him on the spot. But the thing is, right, his desire is to go to SUM, Bible college. I didn't have to do any of that. All I had to do was live for Jesus. Live for Jesus. You know what happened? I want to be just like my pa. I want to be just like my pa. And the little things, he'll see me going on little mission trips and all that. He's like, dude, I can't wait because I'm going to be there. I'm going to see where you're at. I'm going to sit down where you were sitting down at. I'm going to read those books, the same books you're studying in right now. And this is what happens when you just trust God. He removes the false evidence appearing as real. And he begins to raise my children up in the Lord. What are you afraid of today? What is the devil trying to get you, from, uh, get you to do to get you out of God's mighty hand? I don't know what that is, but you, whatever God's put in your heart, that is what we must deal with today and put ourselves back under the mighty hand of God. And the Bible says he cares for us. We need to draw off his promises. He cares for us. That's why we give him our fears. And when you cast something, you're throwing it on God. God, look, I'm afraid. I don't know what's going on with my marriage, but you deal with it, God. I'm throwing it to you. God, my children, they're acting wild. They're doing crazy stuff. God, I throw them to you. You have your way. God, do this, do that, whatever it is. You bring it to the throne of God. And you let God deal with those things. Let God have his way in those things. Moving on to the next one, if we can go to the next slide. Verse 8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Right, be alert. If we're sitting here in a microwave world, if we're sitting here in fear and always trying to make decisions, you guys know what I'm talking about. It's like you, you begin to think about a million thoughts at one time. You begin to think about all the what ifs. What if I just get hit by a car today? I am not going outside. What if I get shot on gang ministry? I guess they ain't doing that no more. And we start thinking about all these what ifs moving everywhere, everywhere, everywhere that we're not able to be alert to the enemy that is coming at us. And the next one, sober mind, means self-controlled. If you're not self-controlled, how would you even know to be able to examine yourself to even see if you're still in the faith? Because the Word of God talks about examining yourself daily to make sure you're still in the faith. If we're not alert and we're moving all over the place, self-control, no, 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 nothing, no, I don't want this, no. And we're just doing all this other stuff. How are we supposed to examine ourselves? There's no way. And look what happens after that. Your enemy, your enemy. I know we have a lot of bunch of nice people here in the, in the second service. It's like, dude, I don't have any enemies. No, everybody loves me. And I love everybody. And we're just all getting along. There is no enemies at all. You're lying, okay? Listen, I don't care how nice you are or any of that stuff. Look at this. Your enemy, he makes a generalization. Your enemy, all of us has an enemy. And his name is the devil, Lucifer. Prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's looking for someone to devour. See, if you're drawing off fear, if you're drawing off the lack of time or too much time and you're so tempted that the days become evil because you're not using your time wisely, you guys know what I'm talking about? 
using your time wisely, all these things are happening to you, and now you're not alert, and now you don't have no self-control. Guess who the devil's after? You see, we have a bunch of people. It's kind of like sporadic right now, you know? But if a lion walked in here, legit, like walked in here, you know, just wow. You know, just looking at us. Just stop, Bobby. You know, in Lions, the king of the beasts, right? He comes in here, straight up gangster, like, sup, Adam. Looking around, and you know what he's looking for? He's looking for that Christian that he can devour. He's looking for that individual that thinks they don't need the body of Christ. Looking for that individual, well, you know, he comes to church every Sunday, got life groove, I'm, I'm going to go this way. And then, bam, he sees a destiny over there. She's looking all low-key, hat on, wants nobody to see her, thinks she can handle it by herself. And you know who the lion goes after? Right after destiny. Because the lion's not going to attack. I watch this stuff. I kid you not. Ask my kids. They're like, for, for real, animal stuff? That's a, you go on my Netflix, we have like four accounts. You go to pause Netflix, all animals. Animals everywhere. Like, dude, this is what we're watching for real? No, we're not. But animals. I love animals. And the thing with lions is that they are looking, they wouldn't attack a whole bunch of animals at one time. What they'll do is they'll, they'll put their sights on that one gazelle. That one gazelle that is by himself. And then they'll be able to creep. Real low key. Just creep on him. And before that gazelle knows it, the lion already took a leg. And I, some of these things we're talking about in the first service, they're still alive while they're being eaten. Like, and I don't want to get too graphic and stuff, and then you guys call your mom on me, your dad comes over. But watch, you know, watch this stuff on YouTube. That's where I watch my stuff at. But the thing is, they're still alive. And it's almost like they don't even realize this lion just ate my whole intestines. And I seen a zebra. He's looking around. Like, you know, like Charlie just walking past. Like, yeah, we're good. I'm all right. I'll be all right. And, you know, you can see the other zebra like, dude, like, your whole leg is gone. And he's walking this way. Like, for, like I, I think about this stuff. Like, what is the other zebra thinking about while he's watching his brother get eaten by a lion and his brother doesn't even know it? Like, this dude is still breathing. You can see him still trying to swap flies. Like, it really matters off his nose. And his whole intestines is gone, literally gone. And then he's just waiting to die. But the thing is, it may be funny. And it's like, this is some real stuff. You don't believe me? Go on YouTube, look at this stuff. But it may be funny, but realistically, some of us in this room has a lion that has chewed up most of your heart. You have a lion that has chewed up most of your mind. You have a lion that has chewed up most of your emotions. And at any given time, we become just impulsive. At any given time, we start making decisions not based on God anymore. We start making decisions based on what ourselves tell us, what the world tells us, and culturalism and things like that, secularism, and what the devil tells us. But with God, it's like we don't hear that voice anymore because you don't realize you're being devoured even right now. Even right now. There's probably people in this room that the devil done chewed up most of your ear that you can't even hear spiritually anymore. And you're like, what is this guy talking about? And we're looking at you like, dude. He is eating you. Run. Run. He is on you, dude. Your arm is gone. It's like he, he's chewing on you right now. And you don't want to listen. 
Because your ear has become deaf because he chewed, the enemy chewed it off. So the thing is, how the enemy works is that he comes in, just like we talked about in the beginning, with all these other things that, that Peter was talking about, was those things, when you go back to Genesis chapter 1, God created what? He did create Adam and Eve, but God created the heavens and the earth, right? Genesis 1, 1. And then from there, he breaks down what he did in detail, right? Day 1, day 2, everything was good. Everybody's happy. Birds are flying. They're chirping. Sharks are doing whatever they do. He created everything, right? They're all living it up. Plants are doing what they do. Seeds are, you know, they're coming from them. Everybody's doing their thing. He comes down to man, as our brother said, and he creates man in his own image and his own likeness. After that, if you keep reading, it says that man then was given authority over all the earth. In chapter 2, it talks about how Adam, and, uh, Adam was there naming all the animals, and then he went on ahead and created Eve out of his, right, his rib, right? You guys read the Bible. So his rib, and then from there it says they will leave his mother and father, and they will become one flesh. That one flesh that they're talking about is sex between a husband and a wife, which, which uh, basically officiates that relationship. That's why Paul talked about in the Bible that if you have sex with a prostitute, you become one with that person. It's because of the sex. Do you guys understand? So why am I saying this? Steve, why are you talking about this stuff? I know Genesis. I know all this stuff. Yes. The reason why I'm talking about this is because when you go back to read the roadmap of Peter, what Peter's talking about is the divine creation and order of God Almighty. The way he did it. The way God created it. In chapter 1, you hear God's divine creation and divine order by the way he did everything. And see, Satan then was in heaven, right? You guys know Satan was in heaven. There was a time Satan was in heaven, right? Bam. So what happened was Satan, what happened to his heart? He became prideful. And then Satan then what? Bible college students. I love you guys. You guys are awesome, right? So then God kicked him out. Do you think for a second that Satan repented? And when he came to earth, did he lose his, his, his ambitions and his dreams to become ruler of everything? The Bible says in Isaiah, he said, I will ascend above the stars of God. I will be God and they will worship me. Ezekiel talks about Lucifer as well. And the thing is, when he came to earth, he started to see, I could just see him roaring around like a lion. In this case, he was a little snake and looking at Adam and Eve. And he's like, wait a minute. They rule everything. God has given everything. For them to rule over. I want to rule. And if I can't be God, then I'm sure going to rule on this earth. And then he tempted Eve. And you guys know the story, right? And then with that one phrase, he tells him, you will not surely die. God knows that once you eat this fruit, you will be like God. And see, right there and then. You start to hear the heart of Satan in pride. And he tried to, he, tri he didn't try, he did. He tricked Adam and Eve to think, I'm going to eat this fruit and I'm going to be like God or I'm going to be God. But all in reality, yes, they ate the fruit. They gained the knowledge of good and evil. But what happened was the enemy then came and took authority from Adam and Eve. And now he became the ruler of the air of this earth. If you don't believe me, read your Bible. Why is all this important? 
Because when the enemy attacks, his main thing is to get us to remove the divine creation and order of God within our lives and within our communities, within our nation, within our state, within our city, all this. Because once he does that, he then gains all control. Do you guys understand? If he can go on ahead like he created our uh, evolution, nothing plus nothing equals something, and bam, everybody was here. It's just what it is. And then he lied to man and said, okay, remove the nothing and put you and the person, a person there, and person then becomes ourselves as humans. And we say, no, we created everything. It is the survival of the fittest. Why is this important? Because the devil knows if I can get them to believe that, then I can get them to assume they have the authority and God no longer does. You see, and he does that with Christians as well in his own little subtle ways so that when it comes down to it, we're no longer going to God in humility and staying and remaining on the God's mighty hand. No. God gave me wisdom. I can make this decision on my own. I'm going to save this person. And we come up to the person, dude, like, dude, she's a heathen. Like, she's in the club. She's twerking. She's doing all this stuff. Like, dude, she, no, man, I'm going to save her, though. I'm going to save her. Yep, I'm going to save her. And then all of a sudden, what happens to that individual? They fall off. You don't see them anymore. And what happened, he never saved her. She literally led him to destruction. And this is what happens with Satan and the believers to this day. So the question I have for you guys is it says on the board, where is the devil at in your life? Where is he at? You see, that question changes everything because a lot of times in the Christian world, we don't talk like that. We talk Christianese and it's like, hey, Will, God bless you, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. You blessed and highly favored? Yes, man. That's what I'm talking about, you know? And it's like, okay, he goes around his merry way. I'm good. But everything will change. And Will came up. I'm like, hey, Will, how you doing? Good. Yes. Awesome, man. Where's the devil at in your life? Even right now, like, he knows what I'm about to say. And he's like, wait a minute. Like, wait a minute. Where's the devil at in your life? Like, why you want to know where the devil's at in my life? And a lot of us get like that, right? Like, wait, like you just mess him up with that stuff. Like, instead of saying God bless you and being so religious, we'd be like, dude, where's the devil at in your life? Whoa, whoa, dude, it's just too early right now. Like, you're talking about devil in my life. Like, is he in your life? Because I feel like you're attacking me or something. You know what I mean? But the reality is you must ask yourself this question. Where is the devil at in your life? What is he doing in your hearts? What is he doing in your mind? What is he doing in your walk in God? What is he doing in life in general with your job, with your children, as parents? What is he doing? You see, we got to know our enemy. And I believe that's why Paul, I mean, Peter wrote this. He wanted us to know that we have an enemy, one, and that he's out to devour us. You know that saying, you keep your friends close, but you keep? Yes, we have an enemy. And if we don't know our enemy, he will deceive us into thinking that we are walking real good with God. All the decisions that I have made that came from God, and I'm good. I'm dating the right person. Yes, everything is good. I mean, he will have us deceived. And we must keep ourselves then under the mighty hand of God if we can all stand in closing. If I can get just a guitarist up here, Stephanie. Why is this so serious? Steve, why are you telling us this? You see, under the mighty hand of God, if this was a person, every time you rebel, every time the temptation hits you to do something outside of God, you would hit against God's hand. 
And God's hands represents his character, his moral, his laws, his word, his Bible, his commandments, his will for your life. It represents his strength, his sustenance, his providential care. It represents everything. And the moment we get tempted and the enemy comes at us, we're able to hit against that hand. And God is saying, whoa, son. Whoa, daughter. That's not for you. That's not for, that girl is not for you. That boy is not for you. Whoa, this job, yes, it sounds promising. It's not for you. It's not my will. It will take you from me if you go that way. And see, what happens is that we say, no, God, I want to do it anyways. Or we'll say, yeah, I prayed about it, and then you know, I just went and did it. That's not God's will. Many of us in this room, you wonder why you fell off? Go back into that last decision you made and ask yourself, did God really tell me to do that? Because God doesn't feel like he's anywhere around. He doesn't seem like he's with me right now or I'm with him for that matter. And we need to go back and ask ourselves, where am I at? How are my children? How is my marriage? What is happening? Some of us are having marital issues. You're having issues with your youth. You're having issues with your family member. But yet you're not under God's mighty hand, but you want them to be under God's mighty hand. And we live by that model that says, no, only do what I tell you, but don't do what I do. That's a lie from the devil. Because this day and age, you guys know Facebook is rampant. What is the main thing on Facebook? Selfies. Selfies. Everything's about an image. Everything's about a visual now. It's a visual. And you can tell a person, hey, man, just do what I say, but don't do what I do. No, they're going to do what you do. And the question is, when they do what you do, are they learning because you're under God's mighty hand? Or they're seeing a person that is trying to do their own thing and has no need for God, no care for God, and you're really under the mighty hand of Satan himself. Because there's no gray area, family. You're either all in or you're not. You're either a Jesus freak under God's mighty hand or you're under Satan's hand. There is no gray area. You guys can argue with me. You can bicker. You can be mad all you want. This is the truth. I'm telling you the truth in love. There is no middle ground. There is no, no I'm just going to do me. I'm just going to do me. No. Doing you is doing Satan. Because it ain't doing God. Satan wanted to do him and he got kicked out of heaven. And Satan is still trying to do him even today. Look at our streets. Look at the violence that is so prominent today. That people dare to wear a shirt like that that disrespects authority. And then yet call the yeah, I'm, I'm following God. No, you're not. You're deceived. You are deceived. And the question is, are you deceived today? Do you find yourself in a season or in a place and you realize, wait a minute. Why, why am I not closer to God anymore? Why does it seem like I'm just being tossed by the waves to and fro? Maybe because you're not under God's hand anymore. And you began to live a life and do your own thing. That you went and ventured off on your own. And God's hand is here. And you're way over here. See, I don't know what you guys are dealing with today. But I know somebody who can take care of that. I know a God who is powerful, a God that if we but humble ourselves under his hand, he will lead us and guide us on the way that we should go. If you're concerned about your marriage, then you need to ask yourself, have we been living under the mighty hand of God? 
If you're concerned about your life as a Christian, you need to ask yourself the question, am I under the mighty hand of God? Or have I been deceived? Am I where God's supposed to have me at? The Bible says in verse 9, resist him, talking about the devil, standing firm in the faith. What faith? Faith believing that God's order and divine creation is real and is true. Because the moment we go back and honor that, we will recognize we are not supreme. We are not the dominant one here. We are not the all-knowing, all-powerful, and everyone know. Only God is. He's the creator of heaven and earth and everything in it. He is the one. He created marriage. He created the family. We don't have the answers. God does. And the question is, where will you be today? That will lead you tomorrow. Is it under God's hand or is it under the devil's hand? The Bible says because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You're not the only one. We're not the only one. You got men of God right now that are standing on God's promises. We're in a series right now in Elevate called Heroes of the Faith, learning about all these awesome men and women of God who stood on faith all the way to the death and beyond. Some of them, according to the Bible, most of them, according to the Bible, never even received the promises. They died in faith. You see, I don't know about you guys, man, but I would die in my faith. I would die in my faith because I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I'm under God's mighty hand, and that's where I plan to stay. And if I even venture off a little bit, God, help me. God, I'm coming back. I repent, God. Help me, Lord, because you're supreme, and I'm not. You're God, and I'm not. And you need to ask yourself, where's the devil at in your life? The Bible says the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while. I'm not going to tell you that this road is not going to be easy because it's not. The Bible says after you have suffered for a little while. What are we suffering for? It's for your faith. It's for your relationship with God. You know, some people think that we're on a crutch. Oh, religion is a crutch. You're on a crutch, man. Nobody need God and all that stuff because they think that they're God. But see, I don't know what they're talking about because I know this life that I've been living, no crutch. It, looks, it looks, doesn't look like any crutch, man. This thing is hard. You need to be a warrior to do this. You need to be a man of your word. You need to be a woman who is ready to say, God, I give you all things. Ask that same individual, can you give somebody else control of your life? No, I cannot. I cannot. I ain't doing I'm my own God. It's hard to go in and go, go against your own nature that says you have the answers. You're your own man. You can do it. No, I can't. I rely on God. That is what we must do. That is what we must do. And it's going to be hard. But there's encouragement because God said, you will suffer for a little while, but will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And the last one he says, to him be the power. To who? To him. To God be the power. We don't have power here. The devil will trick you to think you have power. We need to give power back to God over our lives, 
over our marriages, over our teenagers, over our husbands, over our wives, over our future, over our dreams, over our aspirations, over our community, over our city, over our state, over our, our nation, over our government, over every piece of life that there is. Give it all back to God. Because it doesn't belong to us. That is his side. Yes, we have something to do. Yes, we must operate in actions because apart from that, faith is nothing. It's dead, according to James. But our job is real simple. Our part is real simple. And I'll show you as simple as it is. It's to come to God on your knees and raise your hands and say, God, I surrender. I surrender, God. I'm having issues in my marriage, God. I don't have all the answers. I've tried everything, God. I tried counseling, God. I tried this. I tried that. And God says, there's one thing you haven't tried. Get on your knees and put your hands up and just surrender it to me. Surrender it to me, the all-powerful one. God, I'm having issues with my teenager. How am I going to raise them, God? They're running crazy. They're smoking weed. They're having sex. One of them is pregnant. God, I tried everything as a parent. And God is saying, get on your knees. Put your hands up. Surrender them to me. And I will take care of them. I will take care of them. God, my future, my future, God. It doesn't look shining, God. It doesn't look I have any hope. I tried everything, God. I got a degree. I got masters. I got doctors. God, I got all type of names behind, all type of letters behind my name. Nothing matters. And God is saying, surrender your future to me. Get on your knees. Put your hands up. Surrender it. And that can go on. I can give you many examples. Sexuality, identity, whatever it is. God is saying, give it to me at this altar. Surrender yourself. Put your hands up in the sign of surrender. Say, God, I give it to you, God. I give it to you, God. I'm tired. I'm tired of trying to do it on my own, God. I'm stuck in this rut of sin, whatever sin, addiction, whatever it is. Surrender it to God and let him lead the way. All eyes closed, all bowed heads. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. The question is for all of us here, will you choose pride or will you choose humility? Which one? Will you surrender unto the Lord or will you stand opposed to him? You see, and I believe there's even people here that need more faith. They need to hope again. And you will find